continuing our, our conversation about congruence, uh, this concept that Virginia Satir focused a lot on uh, regarding harmony of the inside and the outside, this integration or wholeness in terms of uh, behavior and communication. And we were just talking a moment ago about how can, uh, what is the relationship between the self or what uh, Virginia would describe as I am, the deep, deep, deep parts of ourselves where mm-hmm. um, we identify our authentic self that lives, what's the relationship between that and congruence and congruent mm-hmm. communication, congruent behavior? So why don't we try to explore that that question and that relationship today? Um, sure. Where, where would you begin with that, Sharon? Um. It's just kind of, you know, I have always known that Virginia called the spirit, the I am. Mm -hmm. But I think it's only this week. (laughs) With with Virginia stuff, it's like it takes me a long time to go, oh, okay, okay. That's what she's really meaning. Mm -hmm. Is that it's I am, period. It is not I am you know, a good speaker, or I am uh, a bad listener. Right. There is no, all of those are uh, adjectives. Or nouns. Or nouns. I heard a a marvelous uh, speaker recently who talked about the difference between what he called the universal mind and the and the little mind. Mm-hmm. I thought that was an interesting because in my language it would be self and parts. Yeah. Or Virginia's it would be the I am or the spirit and parts, but it's that separation where there the I am is not destroyable. It is perfect in and of itself. And that congruence is helping us more and more to be in that place of simply I am. I don't have to be anything other than who I am. Mm. You know, and all the expectations, internal expectations and shoulds, all of that, and all of the um, characterizations of myself. And uh, as I was saying, I was talking to somebody who had had this huge light bulb um, by saying that, that she heard somebody say, you know, I've been depressed lately. And she said, when this person said it, I had this awareness that she was expressing that as a depression that had come into her, but was not her being. Mm-hmm. And that that, uh, that meant she, because she didn't have to define herself as I am a bad person or I am fully depressed. I have a depression that has come into me. And I know there's a whole school of thought uh, or model where they do a lot of externalizing around that. What's depression saying to you? That kind of thing. Right. Narrative therapy. Yeah. yeah, It's that same process of beginning to understand our thoughts and our feelings are not us. That, That core place is in there 
that nobody is there all the time, but that somehow the more and more we can land there, the more we feel in alignment with ourselves, but also it's easier for us to not be defensive in the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, people do often identify themselves with their experience. I'm mad. I'm depressed. I'm scared. And then that yes. becomes the whole yes. of who they are. And then they're stuck in a particular reactive pattern because I think that emotion becomes the filter through which they are then living. Mm-hmm. So so mad becomes the impulse to want to yell or, or hit. Mm-hmm. Um, scared is to avoid. And when that when that's the filter, um, then you're not connected to the other resources that are there, right? Your mm-hmm. wisdom, mm-hmm. your courage, your love, and mm-hmm. these other parts that I think are more mm-hmm. integrated in the the seed of the self, right? Yes. Because I yes. think it's it's uh, it's we're we're constantly evolving potentials. We're mm-hmm. we're you know as long as we're alive, we're unfolding our lives through our bodies, through our relationships, through um, our environments and mm-hmm. when we make a conclusion I think and, and it's it's not I am period it's I am depressed we make a premature conclusion about our mm-hmm. essence and, and our ah. life process yes. and then that stops it stops certain things like compassion or curiosity about what's going on the kind of energy I think that you need to engage in to expand uh, perception to uh, to expand expectations, to really be present, to to at a sensory level with with the situation and with ourselves and with one another, and I think that is the utility and the power of, of mindfulness practice, which is to just be aware that there's different thought forms, to not be overly attached to them, to create a space between stimulus and and the response uh, mm-hmm. that we have, mm-hmm. and to to be able to have a different relationships with thinking. Because uh-huh. I think uh, I, I certainly can get really lost in thinking, and uh-huh. to be able to to see that these are these are impulses or reactions of consciousness that I can be curious about and have a bit of distance with. And so something like I am depression, or I'm bad because I'm depressed, or I f- I'm so ashamed that I feel yes. weak or tired right now. To be able to see that as a thought form, as a cloud that's floating by. If you're at, if you imagine being at the apex of a mountain and you're just observing these things, is to ch- to be able to change your relationship, to not get, to not stay caught in it, mm-hmm. and stuck in it. So coming back to to congruence, to mm-hmm. so are you saying that when, when she observes someone saying, something along the lines of I'm experiencing depression, it, it seemed in the way that you're sharing that story she was able to say that with a with a sense of dignity or a sense yes. of like yes yes um, that's not who i am yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Yes. or even even in in other situations where people can really acknowledge i'm really scared right now or i'm i'm about to to do this presentation i'm really worried about how it's going to go which mm-hmm. sounds different than oh my god like i'm i'm so terrible at mm-hmm. doing presentations like there's a different uh, layer mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Mm, shame or self-contempt yes. that exists yes. in that yes. that 
It's like, what right do I have to even be in this space or to be in this right. like world or to, to receive attention? Right. And it, I think it gets at that layer that uh, Virginia talked a lot about with, with self-worth. Mm -hmm. And um, so congruence then seems to, to be uh, built on a foundation of um, self-worth or mm -hmm. a connection to this I am period. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, a, and a detachment from I am whatever the experience mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. um, can you share maybe any experiences you have with moving through that process with people that you uh, work with or your own experience of that um, to maybe il illustrate that a bit more? How that rooting in the self, in the I am, um, how that can happen? Well, as a therapist, um, I am watching for it all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, and um, trying to help people find it themselves by saying, "How do you feel toward the part of you that is sad right now?" Or, "How do you feel toward the part of you that was reactive this morning with your partner?" The minute that you begin to separate that out, mm. the person is beginning to, to distance from the part. <clears throat> and then when I ask something like, what do you feel toward that part? And they say, oh, I feel really badly, you know. Then I know we have found the self. We have found the congruence. That, that place that is by its nature compassionate or at least curious mm. and is calm and has perspective. So um, for me, it's, and then what happens when, when there is that feeling of compassion and acceptance and love from the, the I am, the self, toward that part, that carries the wounds and the pain and the expectations and beliefs and all the yearnings, then you begin to see a shift in the face, in the body, in the skin tone. Mm. And it happens over and over and over again in therapy and it's the most sacred moment because there is a light, there is a radiance that comes to that person mm -hmm. and you know that they are more now congruent because they have healed, they have integrated in a wounded part into them. Right. Yeah. Instead of instead of this being this incongruence of fighting off this part, holding it back, this part that carries the pain, mm. now that part has been taken in. It's yeah. now part of your home, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I love your use of the word integration. I was um, listening to an interview with Dan Siegel, uh, the renowned psychiatrist who talks a lot about presence and awareness. Mm -hmm. And he talked about health, uh, sort of the foundation of health, it being integration, the integration mm -hmm. and the, the synthesis of new information. And the way you're describing, it's, it's like there are certain sub parts of our personality and maybe they're related to particular uh, emotional complexes like mm -hmm. anger or worry or shame and in those parts when we can 
create a bit of space from them, mm-hmm. not not denial, not rejection of the part mm-hmm. or the experience, and but looking at it and exploring. Well, how do you feel about this part? Mm-hmm. You're you're asking, I guess, the person to ground themselves in a perspective or in an energy where they're they're caring for a part of themselves, mm-hmm. and and I think in that caring, then that's the process of integrating like yes. how how do i want to talk uh, to my anger and, yes. and i think that's one of the things that i really appreciate about what i've learned from virginia's work is that sometimes with with some of these other models and for example with externalizing and narrative therapy they externalize but they don't bring back or they mm. externalize and they objectify without um sort of seeing how that manifestation of an emotion is actually resource that mm-hmm. is part of the self. It's it's mm-hmm. part of the life yes. within the person. Like yes. there's a very good reason why you feel emotions like anger and shame and anxiety. Uh-huh. Um, they can, they point to a map of something that needs to be taken care of. Not necessarily that the impulses of what comes from those emotions are healthy or, or mm-hmm. not, but there are certainly things that need to be taken care of. And I think when they're, um, when, when they're not sort of grounded in, in the biological reality of um, survival mm-hmm. or of the need for protection, mm-hmm. then sometimes these energies can be alienated and, and into being bad mm-hmm. and not reframed or to, to be reintegrated as, you know, they're part of life and they're yes. the message and the reframe of them. So I'll share an example. There was once... Um, there's this young once a, a young boy that was taking music lessons and he got really upset with his teacher and you know was swearing at the teacher and the, the teacher was rebuking him and then he just took off and and ran out of the place and um you know we were at the session and the mom was like well how like you can't run away like that's that's no good and was there was kind of like this shaming of this coping yeah. that the boy used of, of running away and then i asked him i said you know like where where did you run to and the you know the mom was uh, doing some grocery shopping and, and he happened to be running right towards the grocery store and and so i said you know i asked the mom i said you know do you think it's um it's a positive thing that he ran towards you when he was in trouble when he was uh-huh. feeling scared and overwhelmed uh-huh. Uh-huh. and she said i hadn't thought about it that way uh-huh. and he hadn't thought about it that way either um, because you, you just, when you're in survival, it's like, I need yep. safety, yep. I, I need love, I'm, I'm scared, yep. I'm feeling rejected over here. But yeah. the, what I could perceive being an outsider is like, you're running somewhere and mm-hmm. you're running towards your mom, you're running towards home, you're running towards nurturance or something. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we just had to work out a way that he could do that more consciously of what what is a good safety plan like if you're not feeling good what yep. will you do yeah. can you yeah. call mom or can wow. you go to a spot that you agree on but that's that's the energy the energy in the behavior is well running away is like he is the intention of the running away to make everyone upset to scare them mm-hmm. um maybe on a certain level but on another level it's it's he's trying to cope with the overwhelming feeling sure. that he's having in that moment and so to take that energy um and again, I guess connected, like when we're talking about the relationship between a mom and a son, uh-huh. that's in the energy space of security and attachment yep. and love. 
right. and then taking that back to, to congruence, it's um, how do you reclaim all the parts of yourself? Uh-huh. Just like the mother reclaiming and saying, you know, I love you and let's work on the form of how you coped with your yes. overwhelm yes. And, and find a different way uh-huh. so you can take care of yourself. Um, but I think it's, to me, it's, it's like, it's not that everything you feel is positive congruence. It's not, you feel positively or your behavior is perfect or, or something. It's just, it's, it's being able to deal honestly with the messiness uh-huh. of life. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I think we talked about truthfulness, being able to deal with it realistically and truly to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not lying about what's there or pretending that it's not there or something. So. Yeah. I think congruence has a lot to do with conscious choice. Yes. You yeah. Know, really um, being conscious of of what what you are experiencing and being honest about that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then figuring out how how you want to deal with that. Right. Right. Yeah. I also wanted to say something in terms of Dan Siegel mm-hmm. because I think that you pointed out something really beautiful about his work, which is that he called it, in order to integrate, you need to differentiate and link. Mm-hmm. And that if you only differentiate out, I have a part of me that is reactive and runs when there's conflict, let's say, right. and avoids. Yeah. And you don't link that back the way I'm talking about, of the self beginning to try to understand What's the fear? You know, what are the beliefs you have about conflict? What are the yearnings? Do you, you know, going through that whole process, because every part has its own iceberg, if you will, mm-hmm. and beginning to understand. The minute you can begin to, to go from that place to my, my part that avoids conflict and understand it, that's linking. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important part of integration or yeah. congruence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about that because um, I'm starting to get more familiar with his his work and the language that he uses around um, integration and this differentiation and linking is the the dialect between I think the human need for autonomy and belonging. Mm-hmm. So we inside of our inside of our yearnings, there's a desire for me to be a unique. Um, differentiated person, but then uh-huh. also to be connected with other people. Uh-huh. Yes. And I was thinking about his use of the words differentiation and linking, and it it has a very strong resemblance to Jean Piaget's uh, the the child psychologist's idea about assimilation and accommodation. Mm, okay. And assimilation. Wow. Are you familiar with uh, Jean Piaget's? Yeah, it's work? been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Remind so me. He, Remind yeah, he's a. a pretty renowned child developmental psychologist mm-hmm. who studied stages of development. And mm-hmm. um, he, I think his kind of model integrates evolutionary biology with uh, psychology. And so he looked and, and created these concepts of assimilation um, and accommodation to look at the ways that children developed uh, learning models and schemas. And so assimilation is essentially when I see a cat and I see another cat, I call them both cats. So it's basically I have, I have a, a taxonomy of naming things, and my understanding fits here and it fits there. When you encounter um, a unique cat that has a unique name, like Bubbles, versus you know 
you know, Charles over here, a different name of a cat, then you have to accommodate, you have to create a whole new structure of who this cat is that's different um, in terms of, you know, in terms of human connection and relationship. It's, it's like, well, you know, when you are dating and then for the first time you move in and you're living with someone, that's a whole level of accommodation because you're not, you, you don't have, it's a new experience. Uh, you know, how do we share chores? How do we pay the bills? It, it requires a whole level of accommodation. That's something unique. And, but it's all, it's all got to be connected to something that's grounded in what we're talking about in terms of the self, because if these accommodations or these experiences are I'm just doing what I should, and it's alienated from that self. Mm -hmm. Then I think it creates um, it creates a false self or a persona. Then that creates this distance between the self and whatever life is is being created. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about that in terms of having family rules that mm -hmm. can sometimes establish ways of being that have the person feeling quite alienated from themselves. And so, anyways, this this dialogue that's happening between, okay, what what fits within my model and then what's challenging that to the point where I really need to look and make conscious choices about how I want to cope with that situation. I think, you know, thinking about congruence as maybe a synonym for congruence is the process of integrating and that words, these words that we're using like assimilation and accommodation are the, um, are the sub processes that allow for that to take place. Right. So mm -hmm. I have to, I have mm -hmm. to say in Virginia often said we connect on the level of our sameness mm -hmm. and we grow through our differences, which is exactly the same. It's like, okay, when I know, when I feel like I know who you are, then I feel like we can connect when we reach maybe an impasse and we disagree on something, then how do we stay in the space of connection to learn from one another and to integrate new ways of being new behaviors, um, you know, cooperation on a new level so that we can get to to a state of harmony again mm -hmm. so it's this constant flux um and i think really entails the complexity of growth and the complexity mm -hmm. of learning mm -hmm. that it's not simply well you behave this way and you're always truthful and like it's that's i think very simplistic but i right. think it is this combination of well there are things that are going to fit and then there are things that won't and then what what do you do with those things you know do you avoid them do you talk about them do you not and um, how do you think we're doing? Okay, I was fat. I was thinking about a time when I was with Virginia, and um, she had somebody playing a a part, their dishonest part, and they they named it the Nixon part. Okay. okay. <laughs> and this, you were just saying, you know, that uh, when you get into uh, always and never kinds of things about your parts and that. that that that's that's not integration that's not congruence because there is a there is a kernel of energy within each of the parts that we have yes that we need and that's a resource right yes yes and so virginia looks at her and she says okay so you think this is a bad part yeah well um can you think of a time when it would be important to be able to be dishonest and uh, she says, nah, I don't know. I don't know. I want to be honest. Yeah, I, I honor that. You want to be honest. But what if somebody came to your door and said, I and had a gun and said, 
I am. I want to see your son. Mm -hmm. Do you think you would lie and say he's not home? She said, yeah. She said, good. <laughs> so you have that part. It can be yeah. there. It can be a resource for you if you need it for safety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, I think any time that we hear ourselves in black or white, all or nothing thinking, that is a part. Mm -hmm. the, the I am is not all or nothing thinking. And, and when I'm working with people, that's, I have a self, what I call a self detector and a parts detector. And the parts detector listens to the languaging around all or nothing. When right. we, we started out talking about I am bad or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or he always or I never, any of that tells me that we're in a part because the spirit doesn't, does not go there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about how, you know, the, the end of that sentence, I am bad or I am no good. There are these harsh conclusions that then kind of leave us stuck in a pattern of living. Mm -hmm. And when you're describing, um, the, the idea of, uh, kind of losing my thought, but, you know, the flow, the flow of life is more the self, and then the parts can can get stuck with a particular mm -hmm. behavioral pattern, mm -hmm. and and I think you know as mysterious as consciousness is, consciousness seems to be something like, um, you know, it's described in the Tao as like a flowing river, you know, and yes. and Alan Alan Watts, the philosopher, he talked about how, you know. If you think about life as a flowing river, some some of what people are doing is they're trying to paddle really hard upstream against the flow. Mm -hmm. And what what maybe a way of thinking about congruence is how to be aware of the flow of life and to utilize that energy with a sail or with how you can join with that, so that you're not fighting against life but um, entering into a flow. And I think that speaks to the idea of harmony and integration, yes, yes, which is life. You know, where we can fight against the aging process, but the aging process is a reality. We can fight against gravity, but gravity is a reality. It's a universal. Mm -hmm. So, how can we accept these um, these aspects of reality, the limits of time and space and energy, and then um, in acknowledging them, create what's uniquely part of our own signature what's valuable to us what's meaningful to us and i think that requires an attunement and a listening to the inner experience the feelings the dreams and the hopes and the wishes we have of things that we want to to experience and and i think that's why you know in, in congruence the the freedom the five freedoms the freedom to see and hear to feel to comment are so important because they expose us to the very things that maybe if we had those rules we wouldn't see and we yes. could get stuck into yes. a particular a particular pattern um including yeah. seeing our own feelings because when you talk about acceptance and i'm you know i'm having to deal with acceptance of aging right mm -hmm. and it if i go to the should if i should accept this right
it's going to be, I'm going to feel incongruent inside because there's a part of me that's pissed about it. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. my spirit's young, but my body is, is not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if I can, if I can have that rule that it's okay to see what's going on on the outside and what's going on on the inside and break that and go, you know, it's okay to see that I'm pissed about it. Yeah. Yeah. Know, that, um, then, then I can go into acceptance, but if I try to jump and not get, not deal with the feelings first and that awareness, that acceptance will not be congruent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's the difference between, um, allowing yourself to have the experience versus working it out cognitively. Like you could work it out cognitively, intellectually, and to say I, what I should do and then and then mm-hmm. think that you're doing that. Yes, yes. But to As allow a sophisticated your... therapist. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like good, good, strong CBT. Yeah. Like, you know, just, you know, re- rework that thought formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think because we were talking about the power of choice and how choice is a very important part of congruence. One way of, I've been thinking about those five freedoms is as five choices. Uh, just as much as they're freedoms, there are there are also choices Ooh, that I I, like I can that. I have the freedom to choose to see and hear. Yeah. I have the freedom to say what I see and what I hear and what I feel. I have the freedom to choose to ask, and I have the freedom to take a risk. And that choice, in combination with the freedom, is I think the energy of responsibility um, that that I can take ownership of what's going on inside of me yes. and then what comes out of me. Yes. Um, so I've, I've been liking integrating that word choice mm-hmm. with the freedom. Yes. Right. Uh, I like that, Tim. You know, Virginia uses this very strange word, choice maker. Yeah. But um, I think it, it resonates like, okay, part of congruence and maturity is being a choice maker. So there's the awareness that you've got a choice. There's taking the risk to make choices and do something and the taking responsibility for, for that. All, all put together in yeah. one one phrase, choice maker. Yeah, yeah. And I think those are, it's it's so positive to think about those. Um, I mean, if you have a if you have a fu- if you have a functioning healthy mind, that those are universals to to be able to to look and to experience what's going on, and to make those choices. And then that becomes the integrating of of life that. You know, we're all, um, there is a, my friend once told me that life, life is like constantly handing, handing you pieces of the puzzle. So if you imagine a thousand piece Mm. puzzle. Yes. And so as you get older, you get more pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. And, but what we do with that piece. So if we have an experience, if we just throw it away, if we don't honor it by really Mm -hmm. taking it and trying to integrate it with how does this fit with the whole picture I'm trying to create here, Mm -hmm. then that's, that's where we're, we're disempowering ourselves. Maybe we're Mm -hmm. making a choice to be, to remain ignorant or to remain uh, locked in a, to a particular pattern because the pieces I had when I was 20 were great. And I I like Mm -hmm. that, but I don't maybe want to see the, the more of the picture. Mm -hmm. Um, And, the other thing I like about that metaphor is that it, it really teaches us to respect people that are older than us because right. if they, that's if, what I was thinking too. Yeah. yeah wow. <laughs> that, yeah. That if, if you meet someone that's been picking up their pieces and really respecting their life experiences yeah. and, and growing yeah. their wisdom, yeah. that there's such a, a wealth of embodied knowledge, yes. uh, wisdom that you can 
really gain a lot from mm -hmm. and, and that's that's exactly how i feel about you you've oh, got you. you've got a lot of the, the pieces <laughs> to the puzzle and uh and, and you're helping me work out <laughs> what the hell is this you know what is this supposed to be and um so yeah maybe we can finish with um just checking in about our own sense of congruence within each of us mm -hmm. and just to kind of slow down our conceptual part of our conversation and have a physical experience of breath mm -hmm. of just noticing what this time together has been like mm -hmm. um, from from the level of feeling I'm noticing that I'm feeling very energized and um, mm -hmm. excited by the different things that we've shared and the mm -hmm. uh, the tennis, the rallying back and yes. forth, shared yeah. ideas, which I, I, I always love. Yes, and, yes. Um, and also a feeling, I guess there's kind of a mystery of like, I don't even know where we began or like, it, it is, this, I think, this sense of flow, like this conversation's yeah. felt. Um, yeah. and, and I feel connected to myself and I'm and I notice as I'm kind of like trying to look at it I'm coming out of it a bit um but yeah I, I guess I my wish right now is to be able to um just have a have a physically physically embodied experience of being here with mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. and to appreciate our time together mm -hmm. yeah so thank you you're welcome what Flash for me, Tim, uh, between our interaction and uh, some things that have happened for me recently in terms of, of uh, uh, feeling really uh, appreciated um, was I've been through two very serious cancer surgeries and it feels as though the gift, the true gift of those has been just being so happy and joyful to have connections like with you. <laughs> you know, I mean that I, I don't think before those surgeries, it would have been at the level it is now. It's like every day is such a gift, you know, um, both in terms of our connection, in terms of what you add to me, which is tremendous. Your intellect is mind-blowing mind to me. But also knowing that, that, you know, when my life ends, there are people like you who are going to be out there in the world who really get this and who will convey it. And that it is, there is a, a very strong intellectual component, which you have, but what we've been talking about with this flow is, is something that you have to go through. You have to experience, you know, and you, you don't get the flow by reading books. Right. Yeah. yeah. And not yeah. picking up the pieces, as you're saying, but also having maybe gone through experiences where it's a tear training or any other kind of beautiful therapeutic experience or religious experience, whatever it is, where you 
become more loving and accepting of yourself mm -hmm. and feel mm -hmm. more connected not only to yourself but to humanity mm -hmm. and to that oneness and the power of love i think all of that yeah is yeah. really there yeah you know the we were talking about the the differentiation and the linking and the ideas of assimilating experience like this mm -hmm. is this is the same as what i know versus this is something new and and i have to i have to really stretch myself and accommodate mm -hmm. it into my model of the world and i think one of the things that i've learned the most from being a therapist and from virginia's work is to um, appreciate that the deepest learning happens in the deepest suffering and mm. that when you talk about your experiences with cancer i mean um, I, I can't relate to those experiences, um, but I can relate to my own struggles with um, human suffering and mm -hmm. that th those have been the moments of my of greatest growth and mm -hmm. have really challenged me to mm -hmm. how are you going to integrate this? How are you going to uh, move, continue to move with life and to flow with mm -hmm. life with the energies of who you really are? Mm -hmm. who you really are being um, what I really value, like connection mm -hmm. and love and yes. curiosity yes. and growth yes. and all of that. Yes. How am I going to move through that while being loyal to what's at the root of me? Mm -hmm. And I think um, that, you know, we, we connect through our sameness and we grow through our differentness. Maybe another way of saying that is uh, we, we enjoy and feel happy in moments of calm and we really grow and expand ourselves to the moments of pain and suffering. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, and that they're they're all they're all part of the yin and yang of living. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay. Well, um, I appreciate you. And wow. Same I think, here. Uh, I think that's probably <laughs> a good place to stop for today. Yes. Uh, Always an amazing journey. Yeah. So we'll continue on with next time. Thank you.